You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 198. Today, I'm sitting down with Teresa Tuscher talking all about mace training with the scoliosis and a fused spine. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for pushing play on another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson. Today, I have a very special guest. I call her Mama T. I know her as Mama T. So hopefully I said your name, your last name, right? Mama T. Please forgive me if I didn't. I'm super excited to have her on, on the show today. Truly, her story is an inspiration to many, to others, and how she has been able to really share her journey in an empowering way is a gift to her community. So Teresa is a trainer with Spinal Fusion who trains with a mace and she shares with us her experience from what it was like to becoming a trainer or deciding to be a trainer at age 40, become a movement professional within what she perceived to be limitations and how she has now transformed and taken those limitations to truly be her superpower and inspire and help other people who have scoliosis and or train and move with a fused spine. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. What's up, Teresa? How are you? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. And first of all, can I just say how weird it is to like say your name? Usually I call <laughs> Mama T. Mama T and I have gone back, you know, we have known each other for since the dawn of time, really, for at least for me is what it feels like. Yeah. Since the beginning. <laughs> Since the beginning. Since the beginning. How amazing is that? Okay. So for those of you who have not had the pleasure of knowing Mama T and knowing your work, I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there. Sure. So uh, my name is Teresa, also known as Mama T. Um, I have scoliosis. Uh, and I have been a personal trainer for 12 years, um, with, I'm going to kind of go a little bit mm -hmm. in circles or zigzag. Uh, so I was diagnosed with scoliosis in the late seventies and had surgery in about 82, 83. My spine was curved like an S the degrees were 45 and 55. And I have what are called Harrington rods um, with screws into my spine. So I cannot physically bend my spine. I, when I bend, I'm as flat as a wall. Basically, um, my movement is extremely limited. Uh, lateral movement side to side is minimal. Um, but when I turned 40, I decided to become a personal trainer. I have a uh, background in dance. Um, and when scoliosis happened and I had the surgery, it terminated all of that for me. Uh, it was a very hard and dark time. Um, but I still found ways to move as much as I could with the limitations that I had. I live in New York City. I pretty much walked everywhere. I lived in Germany for years. I rode a bike. Didn't matter what the weather was, but I just found ways to stay as uh, mobile as possible. And so when I turned 40, I became a personal trainer, having nothing to do with scoliosis. I went on that journey because I had um, gained a substantial amount of weight and treated myself to a trainer and found that I could lose the weight and did the work. And then I said, if I can do this, I want to help other people do it along the way. Um, did that. And then it became more of a passion of working with people who have scoliosis or spinal fusions. Uh, in particularly, in my experience of being a trainer, I came across something called a mace, also known as a gata, and Bev, aka Dutchie, uh, <laughs> has, has seen some of what I do, 
Um, and it's a tool that has been around for thousands of years. The original form is called the Gata, created in India, and they use them to compete then and still now. And what I love about training with that is that I feel limitless with my limitations. Um, I've been doing that now for about five or six years. I've gotten certified in a number of things. Uh, another thing I got certified in um, specifically for the feeling of quote unquote feeling normal, which meant that I didn't feel like I was limited, uh, was I got certified in Matt Pilates um, because it gave me the feeling of feeling normal. Uh, but I really have gravitated towards training with the mace. Um, and I have had the opportunity and honor of working with people who have spinal fusions, who have scoliosis, and who are open to training with the mace. And it's been, yeah, I mean, I pretty much use that method for training uh, daily. Um, it's a way to increase mobility, strength, power, and fire your core. And when you have a spinal fusion, it is really hard, or it can be really hard to fire those core muscles. But training with a mace, it's just, it brings you there without having to think about it. Um, and that's kind of my story in a nutshell. My daughter, as you know, was also diagnosed with scoliosis. Um, it's five years now. <laughs> um, but uh, she, we did something called Shroth, which is specific uh, scoliosis therapy uh, to decrease her curves. Um, so I did that with her. And uh, she's part of my journey. I'm part of her journey. And we changed the dialogue of her story to one of empowerment and strength. And she now is soaring and knows what to do and knows how to engage and is just a firecracker. Um, but that's pretty much my story. Uh, and I'll just interject really quickly with um, being pregnant mm. and having scoliosis and having the rods fused to my spine. People often wonder what that's like because you have all this abdominal weight mm -hmm. and then how it's going to impact on your spine. I personally had no problems. Uh, I had a C-section. My daughter was born in Germany. And I said, you're not touching my spine with an epidural because I didn't know how much they knew about my spinal surgery. Mm -hmm. um, but everything was fine. And yeah, and I'm still fused and it's 30 plus years no pain. I pretty much train every day and, uh, with the mace, um, and, and I get to train people if they're open to it with the mace. And if they're not, then we use other modalities, but that's my, that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many different things I want to talk about. You brought up some really awesome things. So first of all, I just want to acknowledge that it is so amazing to be part of the journey that and watching you really inspire and motivate and help people who really feel and I can't speak from my experience or from from experience because I've never had a a, a scoliosis or a fused spine but mm -hmm. I have had those moments of feeling like I'm never going to be able to move again so watching you being able to inspire and help people feel hope when they've otherwise feel hopeless is truly incredible and part of what I think makes your work essential in, in the fitness industry space, because most people really, you know, think of fitness as a very vain and very aesthetic experience when the truth is that it really is, does a number for your mental health when you're not able to move. And so it's just been amazing to watch you be part of that. So I just have a couple of, um, and really facilitate that, facilitate the pathways for that. So I want to just ask you some clarifying questions. First of all, what brought you to being a trainer? How did you go from being a deciding, like, what were you doing before you were a trainer where you were like, no, forget this. I'm turning 40. I'm changing my life. Like what happened? What was that decision like? Well, in Germany, I had a desk job. Mm. And if you've got a spinal fusion or if you have any back problems or you don't, you know what sitting does, mm -hmm. right? And um, in Germany, I had a desk job and then I came back to the States and I worked at a doggy daycare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I had another desk job. 
And I was like, ew, <laughs> this, I can't stand this. Mm-hmm. And, and it was basically like when I, you know, like I said, when I turned 40, I, I signed up with a trainer mm-hmm. and, and, and I loved that I was able to just get strong. And I saw how weak I was. Mm. Right. Because even like as women, upper body strength, I couldn't do a push up. Mm-hmm. I was on the Smith machine at like the highest level. And I was like doing these little micro push ups. Um, I was like, okay. And I, and I, and I gained weight. And I was like, I don't want this. This is, I walked by myself in a window and I looked and I was like, who is that? Mm. Right. And I said, I, I need to change. And that's where it started. And then I said, if I can do this, and I got to a number that I wanted to be at, which is so often the case in the personal training world, right? People want to be lean. They want this, they want that. And I did that. And I was like, okay, this is cool, but I still want more. Mm-hmm. You know, I still want more. And um, that's kind of where it started. And it just kept going. And, and you know, I, I had the opportunity to work with some amazing people and just learned so much more about the function of the body and the dynamics. And what I also learned is that we were all broken in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we all had some kind of something going on. And, yeah. and that kind of just, it really exploded from that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about weight anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about weight and it wasn't about what I was eating and what I wasn't eating because I still kept eating what I wanted to eat I just didn't eat the amounts that I was eating mm-hmm. so it just you know that was the beginning stage of it and um and I just kept moving forward yeah. I just kept moving forward and uh it's just it's an amazing journey you know and it doesn't stop yeah. So cool. So can you take us to the Pilates experience? Because there was something that you said in there that in your story that I, I'm curious to dive a little deeper on, you were talking about, you know, being fused in terms, you know, and saying that like, you wanted to have access to your core and feel normal. Mm-hmm. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about like the experience of Pilates? Like how are, are you still using Pilates in your practice? Sure. How are you using Pilates and, and how are you navigating that sense of wanting to feel strong, but, but feeling limited? So, so with Pilates, there are certain moves that um, there's a movement specifically, it's called a mermaid, right? And it's just a lateral stretch over. And I was like, I feel normal. I'm barely moving, but I feel normal. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was one thing, but specifically to dealing with the core, there's a whole series in the mat Pilates mm-hmm. that targets the core and the deep seated core muscles, not just, you know, the superficial ones. And I was able to do those in a way where I could still feel quote unquote, the burn. Mm-hmm. Um, And I didn't have to, I didn't have to, and I couldn't, I couldn't curve my spine. Mm -hmm. So it's all lying down on your back, right? And, and just extending your arms up above, lowering your legs, doing something called the lower lift or doing uh, in the training world bicycles, but then adding a little extra touch to it to increase the burn and to do it in a way that, um, that I was able to. Because if you're to do it with your mobility, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah. So like I can do a plank, but for instance, if you're fused, some people are fused into their health, into their pelvis. So how do you tuck your hips under? You can't, mm. right? So you have to find a way and Pilates gave me that. So sometimes uh, I will, with clients, I will use the ab series. I do not use as a warm up, but the <laughs> leg series can be used as a warm up just to firing the glutes because you're lying down on your side. You can be comfortable if you put a towel under you based on the, ro- uh, the location of your ribs and how it feels. Um, but sometimes things are used as a warm up or just a spine stretch forward is a nice way to release the back. It's kind of like a pike or also a downward dog, right? To help lengthen the spine. So those are things, and even if with a fusion, I find that I can still 
create that lengthening. Um, and my, the hamstrings are then uh, lengthening as well because you're reaching forward in a spine stretch forward. And it's a gentle stretch on my spine that is not going to um, hurt in any way. And there's ways in which you can modify that if you have to sit on a yoga block or roll up a towel or bend your knees, but still to get that feeling of lengthening gently. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cool. So now how did you get introduced to the mace? Like what brought that? I know why you love it, but how did you find it? So the mace I found on Instagram, uh, there's uh, somebody, a couple of people that I, well, at the time, I think I followed one person, Kells Bells, um, 88. And she was using this thing called a mace and a gata. And I was like, I kind of want to try this. Mm -hmm. And um, she lives in Connecticut and she was coming to New York doing a workshop with, it was herself and one of the, um, in my opinion, top people who do this, who has been doing it for a very long time named Paul. And he lives in Australia mm -hmm. and they were coming to New York and they did this workshop. So I was like, I'm going to try this. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to try it and I'm going to sign up. And, and I did, and it was weird. I was like, I don't like, I'm swinging this thing around behind my head and it's, it's metal. And what, you know, like, I don't, this is, I've never done this. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that was, I did that workshop with them and I spent the whole day with them and I really got to know the whole process behind it and what it's about and the meditation process behind it as well, because there is a meditative space that it brings you to. Mm -hmm. um, and that was it. And I did it with them. And then I've worked with other people along the way, uh, Rick Brown and another guy named, I call him Primal Six uh, out on the West Coast. Um, but that was the introduction and I didn't really know anything about it. And I thought, you know, in the training world, we always want to increase our knowledge. We sign up to do certifications. And I thought, this is something that I can try and, and maybe I can use it with my clients. I didn't know. And it just, that was the beginning stage and it's, it's gone that much further. And, um, you know, people often say that when you train with the mace, you look like a badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's like, but it's so not about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just not, you know, I, it's, there's a whole holistic process of the mace and the gata and it demands you, right? Mm -hmm. You've got like this, if you're using a gata, it's concrete with a long stick, or if you're using a mace, you're swinging steel. Yeah. It demands respect. And I cannot for me personally, I cannot, I'm going to choose the word accept that it looks like something that's badass mm -hmm. because I don't see it that way at all. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, it's, it gives me the freedom to move in ways that I can't. Yes. Yes. And, and can you share with us a little bit of like, not only have you done that for yourself, you also help your clients do that when they Absolutely. feel like you know, they can't move. So can you share with us a little bit of like what that experience is like for them? Like when you're working with your clients, what are some of the things that they talk about that they share with you that, ha that the mace has really helped them move through? Well, I have, so, uh, in the membership, we, so we're, there's a group of us and it's, um, we meet every week and we're fused. And, uh, one, one person in the membership, she shared a couple of different things. She's a cellist. Mm -hmm. And she has said that her posture has gotten better. Her range of motion prior to training with the mace was limited. And mm. since she's been training with the mace, her range of motion has increased and she doesn't have any uh, upper back pain. And she shared with us a while ago that her mother said to her, she's even standing differently. And I heard that and I was like, I, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. And, uh, somebody else has said she's dance phobic and she's born with scoliosis. She's swinging the mace now in ways that you just kind of, you just, you're in awe, you know, and, and to see, to be a part of that with, with people. And they say that, and there was, I did, I trained with the mace also with a Schroth specialist who is for scoliosis. 
And she was even saying like, it fires your core in ways that um, you don't even think about. And to hear that from a physical therapist mm. for me was, is really, it says it all. Mm-hmm. And then I worked with uh, somebody who's also fused, who's in Tennessee and she tried it on and she's like, it fires muscle groups without having to think about it. So I'm, you know, all these people are saying these things to me about their experience and some are fused, most are fused, some are not, but they're all getting empowerment through training with the mace. And I get to be a part of their journey in that. Yeah, it's powerful. So I imagine and I'm going to assume, so correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I imagine that there's a lot of fear around moving period when you have scoliosis and when you have a fused spine. So what are some of the things that you, you know, recommend to people who might be working with someone with scoliosis or people who have scoliosis, how do they navigate through those feelings of uncertainty and trusting their body's ability to move? Uh, If they are working with somebody, then you have to trust the process. But if you're working with somebody, I would say, do your research on that person and have patience. You know, nothing happens overnight. I didn't start swinging a mace like I swing it now. That didn't happen overnight. When I started, I swung 10 pounds now or five pounds. And now I'm swinging 15 pounds of steel, which might not seem like a lot, but the force of it is very different. But trust Trust the process, have patience and do your research because trust takes time and we are embedded in fear. If you're not all, but some can be embedded in fear and and that is really hard to overcome. Um, So I think it's really important that you find somebody who understands your body and whether that person is fused or has scoliosis because when I worked in a gym, there are people, you know, I've talked with so many people who have scoliosis and they have a trainer and I'm like, do they know? And they're like, they, they didn't know what scoliosis was. And they were like, yeah, no problem. And I'm like, that's a disservice. Mm-hmm. It's a disservice to the community in anything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, that will like, I could go on and on about that, but um, just do your research. And it's also the responsibility of the professional to say, hey, if this doesn't work, let me help you find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but, but be patient. And I know that patience is the hardest thing, especially when you've had surgery. Because the period sometimes post-surgery can you it might take six months for you to be cleared and now post-surgery you have to learn how to walk again mm-hmm. and walk and you have to learn how to get up out of bed and there's all these things that you know it's like having a c-section there's all these things that we think about that we might take for granted that we don't think about and we're like oh man I nobody mean- told me about that You took the words right out of my mouth when you were talking about you need to find someone who understands this because getting out of bed is something that we take for granted all the time. But I'll never forget when I had my cesarean and all of a sudden uh, things that I didn't, that didn't even take conscious thought all of a sudden required all of my attention. And that was, you know, that is something that I never would have thought to, to have, you know, taken into consideration as a movement professional working with people. In fact, I've joked so many times, like my sweet moms, thank God the bodies are resilient because (laughs) I can only, I only, I just vision all the things I used to do with them and that I've now learned, but. Well, that's the other, go ahead. Sorry. That's a perfect example. So you were so the, the other thing is like with a spinal fusion, right? And you're pregnant, right? All those ab exercises that let's say you can do. Yeah. I have to be careful because if I sit up, my stomach can go into a cone, right? And that we normally have that post-pregnancy or we can with the diastyrecti, 
So now, so if you think about, okay, I can't bend my back and I'm going to do, somebody wants to do a crunch or whatever they want to do. You know, you have to be aware of this, mm -hmm. of the abdominal wall going into a cone shape. Now you have a trainer who doesn't know, or a prof I'll say a professional, I'm not going to say a trainer, a professional who doesn't know about scoliosis mm -hmm. and who doesn't know about that. And it's like, I, I, I just gave this analogy uh, over the weekend. It's like going to a male gynecologist and them saying, I know how you feel. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And so if you don't, you know, you don't have that, but that's something also, nobody talks about that, right? So you're pregnant. We have this just post-pregnancy normally, but now it's something to think about on top of having scoliosis and a spinal fusion. Diastasis recti. Mm. So that's another layer of what's happening with the body. Yeah, the pressure management component. Like that is right. something that you have to be thinking about all the time. The, right. the, 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 the pressure, the air is going to go somewhere. <laughs> right, right. And, and how, do you, how do you navigate through that? Right, yeah. You've got you've to navigate through a rotation of the ribs, which then can impact the organs with the curvature of the spine and you can get winded. Mm -hmm. And then, or if you have surgery, you know, your spine isn't always completely straight. There might be some curves in there and then you have, then you get pregnant or you don't, and then you have diastasis What then? Hmm. So now you met, you started to go into some of the things that, you know, someone with a fused spine or with scoliosis, they have to manage like getting out of, up out of bed. What are some mm -hmm. of the other things that people don't consider like, you know, you're going and you were talking about pregnancy. What are some of the other things that, that your community manages that most people don't realize? How to pick something up. Mm. Yeah. How to pick something up, how to take dishes out of the dishwasher. How do you bend? Mm -hmm. Right. Before surgery, you might bend, hinging your hips back, back coming straight down. That's not going to work. Mm. So now you have to relearn that. And like when I had surgery, nobody taught me that. So I had to pick things up with my toes. Mm. And I was able to, I, my hip mobility is still good, but I was able to pick things up with my toes and put them in my hand. But people don't teach you how to bend post-surgery. Mm. And that is, for some people that can be really hard and really frustrating, you know? And then how do you, how do you bend? How do you pick things up out of, off the floor? How do you carry a bag? How do you carry a bag of groceries? How do you do all the things that you used to do normally? How do you bend over to brush your teeth? Do you have to lean on the sink? How do you do the dishes? Can you do the dishes? Some people can't stand for long periods of time. Mm. What some about people overhead? Is overhead... For some people, it can be really hard. It depends on your range of motion, right? You have to build that mm -hmm. to be able to put something on a shelf. Mm -hmm. it, it, it varies for everybody, but I would say the biggest thing that I have heard the most often is how to pick things up. Mm. You know, and then also people, the fear of falling. Oh the fear of falling and, and there, and you, I mean, I hear the worst of the worst, the rods break. Yeah. It's the rods break. Then you have to go back in for surgery and then they have to take the rods out or, or you're, or or you get infected and they have to take the rods out. Then you go through the whole psychological aspect of revisiting that and oh what that God. means. Yeah. So it's, I can't even imagine. And I do want to talk about the psych psychological component. Cause I know that that is, and then those are the invisibles that no one ever wants to talk about, yeah. but I want, I do want to, I, and I recognize, I realize I'm asking your opinion. So it's mm -hmm. your opinion on yes. the idea of surgery and rods. Like, are there, are those, is that a hundred percent necessary? Are there things that people can do? Like, how do we navigate whether or not it needs to be, you know, fused with rods or, you know, managing? Yeah. So there's, there's 
there's a couple of different methods that I'm aware of. There's mine. And then there's something called tethering, which is where they just put, I believe it screws into the spine with wire. So you have more mobility and they go in uh, laterally, I think through the ribs. Um, and that's a more modern version. Not everybody is uh, in favor of that. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the individual. The, the first thing I would suggest is um, Schroth. And Schroth is a therapy, I think, that came to the States in about 2006. And it's a physical therapy specifically designed for people with scoliosis. And it's from a woman named Katharina Schroth in Germany, and they have an intensive uh, program that they still do there. I think it's like maybe eight weeks, like 10 hours a day. It's super hardcore, um, but there are specialists who do it here. My, if anybody is diagnosed, um, I would suggest that because there are orthopedics who will say you need surgery. Mm -hmm. Right. And not everybody, but there are ones out there who are like, you need surgery. And my opinion is you don't get to tell me what I need without me doing the research first. Um, and there are I've done I've spoken with people who have scoliosis who whose curves are. I think if you're at a 30 degree, it's considered mild. No, 15 is mild. I'm not quite sure which number. Um, but there are people whose curves might be a little more aggressive and they made the choice not to have surgery as teenagers. Their parents gave them that decision because they said, if we do surgery now, then there's really no going back. But if you want to do it later on down the road, then you have that possibility to do it. So I would say, start with physical therapy, talk, you know, social media. Thank goodness you're here because it is a great platform for us to all be in a community and to ask questions. Um, but, but do your research, you know, and their uh, surgery might be for you and it might not, nobody can make that decision for you except you. Um, but check out, check out Schroth, check out therapists uh, on social media, on Instagram, see if there's any in your state where you are in your country, because I know that that's a whole other, if you go to Europe, it's much harder at times. Um, or even if you go to like the Midwest, Schroth is few and far between. Um, but investigate that and talk with somebody and, and find the navigation system that works for you. And then you can make the decision on which route you want to go. That's so powerful. You did bring that up like that. I didn't even consider that like when a teenager is younger, they're still growing and developing. So is this something that, you know, can change in terms of, you know, if they started seeing physical therapy, can they actually change their bone structures? Well, they can change the curves. Okay. So, um, so I, I'll give the perfect example of my daughter, right? When she was diagnosed, it was an accident and like my emotional scale went through the roof um, and they wanted to move aggressively with her because of me. So they said, we're going to set you up with Shroth for three times a week for like 12 weeks. And they wanted to put her in a brace. And I was like, I didn't know. I was like, what are you talking about? So her curves at the time were 16, 21 she had an S curve and she was fitted. And then she did Shroth twice a week with the therapist. And then I told the therapist, uh, I want you to record me doing everything. And I want you to cue me doing it so that I know what to do with her. And I want photocopies of everything that you're doing with her so that I understand it. Um, and fortunately the, the Shroth book Mm -hmm. is a literal translation from German to English and living in Germany for seven years, I have, I'm able to understand it. Mm -hmm. So we did it and her curves went from a 1621 to a 169. Okay. And then she was cleared. So they, when the, when they stop growing, the curves generally stay at that place. Um, but yeah, so we, that was it. We, you know, Schroth seven days a week for two years. And 
now she's in college and she knows what to do. And she still even implements some of those things into her routine because it's not like do it now, stop. Right. You have to continue the process. Was um, she feeling any pain? Uh, when she, when it was found. Yeah. 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 She, um, cause she had fallen and she was complaining that her ribs kept hurting her. So I said, okay, let's go get an Mm x-ray. And I saw in the x-ray, the curve. Mm. And I said to the guy, I said, her spine is curved. And he said, yeah. And I said, what do you know about that? He's like, well, you got to talk to your doctor. I was like, well, let me tell you, I know about it. (laughs) And that was it. And that was it. So, um, yeah. And that, that component, and she, she had even said, she didn't like the therapy. She had to lie down on a foam roller. She didn't like any of it. And at one point she said to me, mama, I want to have surgery. Mm. And I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know? Um, and, uh, she was like, I don't want to do this. And I said, you don't have a choice. But I said, this is, you know, we're in this together. Yeah. And I, I mean, you saw, Mm-hmm. Well, you saw and hard. You, yeah and anybody that's a parent you know you see your kid in pain and they just are doing something you just break down in tears and your heart just hurts mm-hmm. and you're scared and you have to hold that fear behind because you got to be strong for them so but she did it and she's a rock star now so good I am curious do people find the school, the curve and find scoliosis through pain. Is that typical is how do people usually find it? So generally what happens is, is when kids are, I'm not sure if it's middle school or grammar school, there's a toe touch test. Like when the nurses come around and, you know, they do the physical therapy or just check the kids overall health, they will have the kids bend down to touch their toes and then they can run their finger along the spine. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's generally where the assessments can start. Sometimes kids are in pain. They might talk about that with their parents. Um, But in my experience, that's where it's generally started. But there are other times where people do that and they find nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like when the kids bend down and the nurses will just run their finger along the spine. When does scoliosis typically start to show up for people if they have it? It varies. I mean, it starts, my story started at age nine. Tara's, my daughter started at age 13 or 12. So, but it's generally in the, you know, um, adolescence, teenage years, Mm. but then, sorry, no, keep going. No, I was good. But then people have discovered it when they're adults. So it really varies. Is it genetic? Is there, or let me rephrase, is there a genetic component or is there not enough research? Yeah, we don't know. There's some people will say one thing. Some people say it just kind of happens, you know, I mean, I'd be interested to see if my parents have it. My dad had two herniated discs. That was it. My mom, nothing. So interesting, but my daughter has it. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. It is. And it'll be interesting to see as time goes on and more research is done in the, uh, in the industry. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what comes later. Yeah. And the, the, the amazing thing is that it's still continuously growing, right? Like we will, it could go this way. It could go this way. I mean, I remember when, when we worked at a gym. Yeah co-worker of ours showed me uh the Schroth book and we googled it and I saw these horrific pictures and I was like I can't what are you talking about mm-hmm. and then but looking at those pictures and then seeing how that was a hundred years ago yes you know thankfully and um how it has since evolved it's a continuing process and uh I think I mean even from my story it's gotten so much more it's gotten so much better right right now. And uh, usually the first thing was like surgery. And now it's like, no, you have a choice. 
well, let's try this first. Yeah. Right. Right. And so that's, yeah. I mean, I hope it continues to go that way, but people just ultimately have to do their research and, and reach out, right. You know, reach out because everybody is open for questions. And if they're not, then you have to question why they aren't. Mm. Yeah. People need to feel supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So- the great segue into, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the psychological component, which I feel like is very, I can only imagine it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, you've said this, you don't know what you can't see. You can't see my curves. You can't see the, the, the debilitating part that that leaves because I'm limited. Right. Like, I'll give you an example. There was uh, somebody I spoke to. She's a dancer. And she was a professional dancer with ABT and taught, she would go to get fitted for costumes. And they had to redirect the zipper of the costume. Mm. Or, you know, she would leap into this guy's arms and he would have to hold her a different way. So you think about that and you're like, but that's hard. That can be hard to really take in and you feel different, you know, and, and, and what it does, the psychological aspect. So you think about, okay, now I have trouble breathing because the rotation of my ribs are compressing against my heart or my lungs, but you can't see it. Right. So it's like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can't see it. Right. And that's, uh, you know, and, and I mean, for me with my story of it, it was, it was a very dark time and I didn't look that much different than anybody else. But what I saw, what I had in my head was I'm done. Like my dance career was done, but you couldn't see that. And then over time, I learned to change the language. People are like, you have the best posture. I'm like, I have the best posture of anybody you'll ever meet, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) I can't change this, but you know, like, but I can't, I can't sit like you can't, you know? And like, if I sit for long periods, it could be really, it could be really dark because if I sit for long periods on something hard, then I have trouble getting up. Mm. Yes. And that probably took time to learn as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, like even when I had my brace, this still is in my head. When I had my brace, um, when I was in grammar school, the Milwaukee brace, there was a screw on the back and it would put holes in my t-shirts. And I was like, mm-hmm. and then I had a belt, but this kid would pull me from the back oh. and I couldn't do anything. Oh you know, and I've spoken to him about it and he has no memory of it, but how do you, how do you let go of that darkness? Because you are vulnerable, right? You're vulnerable. And how do you like, you're pulling me and I'm disfigured in quotes, Mm -hmm. but I don't see it you don't see it and I'm being tortured through this contraption and now you're making fun of me because of this contraption and how do you that's still dark in my mind that's still you know it's still there of course and I mean that that and then plus you have all the you know it's not like anyone's having conversations about it no they're making fun of you at that time. I mean, now it's very different, but at that time. Sure. But like, but you know, I, I'm thinking about the con- context of my kids, you know, they're in second and kindergarten and I wouldn't know if someone had scoliosis in right. their class because it's not talked about. Right. Right. And they might be wearing a brace and it's under that shirt and you don't see it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I like, I'll just back, backtrack to uh, my daughter, Tura, when she had the brace, when she was on the swim team, 
-hmm. you know, like I just, my, my story is going through my head and she's got the brace and now you can have the brace in different colors and you can have the state building on it and you can do all this cool stuff. And, and I, she's like, mama, they're going to look at my brace. And I said, so what they look at it. I said, let's have everybody write on it. Sign your brace, you know, like they want to be part of the cool kids sign my brace yeah. and you just change the language so that it's not as daunting mm -hmm. because it can be, and it can be very isolating because yeah. you can't see it. Yeah. And kids can be cruel mm -hmm. and you can't see it. You can't see what's going on underneath the layers. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, now how do you as a professional, in addition to your story and in addition to your personal, your personal investment in, mm -hmm. in, in this community, how do you protect your energy and, and stay, you know, and not go down that spiral of despair? I just keep it real. You know, I keep it real. And like, I look at what I can do versus what I can't do because what I can do feels a lot better because I don't think there's really anything that I can't do. I just do things differently. Yeah. I just do things differently. And you know, I like, even when we were in the gym, I'm not the person who's going to deadlift 320 pounds. I don't want to do that. It's not worth it for me. So am I going to do that? No, but am I going to swing a mace? Yeah. I like swinging. I like swinging a mace. I, you know, I like the movement of this modality flying around, giving me freedom. So I choose to look at what I can do versus what I can't do, because what I can do is much more empowering. I can't bend my back. Okay. Move on. <laughs> There's so much more that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. So what are some of the things, can you talk to us a little bit more about, you started to, but can you go deeper into some of the things that you love about the MACE and why you think this modality is superior for you and for your community? Because it gives us freedom. It gives us freedom. It gives us, uh, you know, the, the, the feeling of being limitless again with limitations. Mm -hmm. um, the the respect that it demands the meditation process that it brings you to like you don't even think about it like when you first start training with the mace you're like okay this is really hard and this is you know I'm getting used to swinging this thing but now it's like it just moves you keep going and keep going and it's fluid almost um and there's a freedom in that you know, um, and, and, and being able to, to do a 360, to go into a lunge, to do a chop, to do a 10 to two with heavy weight. Mm -hmm. It's no easy task. Um, and it's, it's just, it's freedom. It's the only way I can describe it. It's freedom. And it's for me, it's not at all about being a badass. Because I think that that's the farthest thing from it. Do I get interesting looks when I walk down the street with it? Sure. <laughs> I can only have that in New York. Was it, was, it, was, it, was it great when it was like six feet apart? No problem. <laughs> you know, no problem. Um, but it's not about that. It's just, it's the, it's the freedom of movement. And the freedom of expression is the best way that I can describe it. And it's happening with clients too. They're just, they're moving in ways that they never thought possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So cool. So yeah. Cool. And it's fun. Like you bring a bunch of people together. I did it this weekend. People have scoliosis who are fused and they're swinging a mace for the first time and they are into it. And I'm like, yes. So fun. And they're like, and they're doing something. It's called a, um, just, it's a tricep extension, right? But the elbows are up in the air and that's called a bullhorn. Mm -hmm. So you have the weight of the mace of the globe of the mace shifting behind you with your elbows up. And they're like, yeah, I feel it. And it's like, you're doing the bullhorn. 
And it's like, they're just doing that. And they're like, oh my God. And now you're bringing it over your shoulder. So you're pushing it away and pulling it in. And the demand of the core strength Mm -hmm. to do that, whether you're holding like somebody was holding a five pound mace, another person was holding his 10 pound mace, another person was holding a seven pound mace and another person was holding like a 12 pound mace. And they were like, I feel it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, it's just, and it's a good time. Yeah. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. And I get to be a part of that. It's amazing. You get to be a part of it and facilitate it. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I and I will say there are a lot of people out there who swing maces and gatas, but there is nobody out there. I, I, and I don't want to say this to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot my own horn. I was the first person I think who started this in my community. And I get to watch people do it. And it's so exciting so cool it is yeah yeah so mama t thank you so much for (laughs) pouring into me and into the community and i want to be very mindful of your time so for those of you who want to learn more about mace training about working with people with scoliosis or maybe even potential you know maybe potentially you are interested in learning more about moving with scoliosis what are some of the best places that i can send them so Instagram is super easy. It's, uh, my handle is T number three F I T T. It's the same on TikTok, <laughs> And then on Facebook, it's F I T T number three. And then my website is T number three F I T T.com. Okay, great. And we'll be sure to link all of that up in the show notes as well. Cool. Thanks for oh. having me. Yeah. So <laughs> Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.